quickly the plan became, all right, we got two shooters to chase, the short G210 and this broke brow. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, congratulations on naming him Broke Brow. Mm. There's no G2 Mm-mm. in the title. And actually, he has short G2s. <laughs> don't, don't do it. And he's a 10 pointer. <laughs> but the name was taken already. <laughs> so, we had to come up with something. Oh, good. Else. You're growing. You're growing yeah. as a deer hunter. Mm-hmm. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode 243. We got live ammunition in the house today. Take cover. You are Matt Drury. You're Tim Chelswick. And you are also a big boy killer. Boom. Booyah. I did it. Should we say boom or should we say thwack? Well, we should say, thank goodness it's over. (laughs) The season is finally... Oh, we should should also say Happy New Year to everybody. Yep, first show of the new year. 2022. It sounds like something you'd like, a Buck Rogers episode, 2022. Mm. I don't know what that means. I know know who he is. I know that that's an old reference. Even though you're not that old, you act like you're that old. Anachronistic. Okay, whatever that is. Out of time. But y'all a, say a man born way past his time. Mm. Yeah, I watched yeah. the Buck Rogers uh, series when I was a little kid. You don't it have to in, double down on it. It was in reruns. <laughs> they had a little weird robot that just said beady, beady, beat. I don't know about that. I mean, I did watch a lot of, on Channel 11, KPLR here in St. Louis area, mm-hmm. I did watch a lot of Tarzan on Sundays. and Old black uh, and white Tarzan? Yep. Okay. And uh, Dad and I. WWF. Because that's what it that's was. That's what it was, yeah. And, uh, and then I feel like um, Tonto and... Lone Ranger? Lone Ranger. Like Heck those yeah. were the that's staples. Solid. I think there might have been some Gilgan's Island in there too. Mm. Even as a kid, that's just something about that show. Ooh, I liked it. Off-putting. Ginger. Ginger's not bad. <laughs> yeah. G- yeah, Ginger 100%. Marianne, eh. mm. I mean, if you're on a desert island, yeah. <laughs> Let's not but If be you had picky. to choose between the two... Ginger. And we're already off the rails here in 2022, <laughs> and we're barely a minute into the new episode. What do people expect, anyways? We have I mean, big goals seriously. for this year. I just want to lay it out here right out of the gate. We're yeah. going to have some great guests. This is all right. So, this first episode is not, but from here on out, we're going to have some great guests. We promise we'll try. <laughs> we'll try to try. And we're going to shoot, we're going to try to get to our 300th episode this year. And, and if it all works out, it'll be the last show of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, I came into Tim's office the other day and said that, <clears throat> is it doable? I don't know. I feel like we struggled to get 52 of these. That would mean we'd have to hit 58, I think. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. Uh-huh. I think we can do it, Tim. The audience is worth it. They deserve it. They deserve more of us. They and desire more of us. Ultimately. $200 is $200. We, we each get bonus based on how many episodes we do. Oh, sh- it's that math. <laughs> we need to do more. We need to get to 500. <laughs> yes. We should tease next week's show. We got the mad scientist on. Yeah. And he's going to be talking about the forked buck. He's going to be doing a little season recap. Uh, I look forward to it. Some good, good stuff coming ahead here with Mark. Also some pretty crazy numbers when he talks about like doe patrol. Managing his, his deer herd. Jeez. Think triple digits, but tune in to her to hear. More. You think you're doing something. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're not, you're not touching. <laughs> not touching. He's anything. playing chess again. We're playing checkers. Yeah, we knew that. Yeah, <clears throat> our rack pack members mm. are under no delusions. Oh, well, they are. They're in the rack pack. Oh, all right. So let's welcome the newest members. We got Nick DiFilippo. I like it. Mm. DiFilippo. It's uh, <laughs> probably uh, Spanish for of Filippo or Italian. <laughs> I don't know foreign languages. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> I can't read. There we go. We know Mark. All right. Kevin Watkinson, Blandy Blandinson, Brent Lemming, John Hisht. Is that a misspelling? It's exactly as it was, sir. Hmm. There's no vowels. No vowels. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Bryce Dunnigan and Kevin Day. I believe the fake name is Blandy Blandison. Brent Lemming. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Is it really? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's Blandy all day long. <laughs> we should tell people that every shout out includes one fake name. Tim Shenanigans. Yep. I'm a real stinker. Excuse my language. If you're listening to the show and you haven't left a review for us Please on Apple Podcasts. Leave a good one. If you yeah, don't want to leave stealing. a good one. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just make it a five star. Please. Whatever. We can't use bad reviews mm. and we can't delete them. Most importantly, <laughs> they're, they're stuck there and they do affect us. <laughs> yes. So please. Two things. Two pieces of business oh. here. Give us a five star review. That's one. And tell uh, all your friends to listen. People that maybe even aren't your friends. Most importantly, people that aren't your friends. Punish mm-hmm. them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you like wasting time? I got the podcast for you. <laughs> you won't learn anything, but you'll feel better about yourself. Mm. Uh, maybe not, actually. You'll feel like you're a better hunter. Than I got a lot of guys problems with thing. you people. Now you're going to hear about them. Mm-hmm. Tim? You're tired. I feel like I got hit by a truck. You got so, hit by the buck truck. Yeah. It backed up. Ran back over, backed up again. It's been a long season, as we've talked about, but we finally connected last night on one of my target bucks at the new lease. Heck yes. Yeah. It it, it was a grind, but um, I think we learned a little bit about the property. It was our first year on the property. Mo- yep. Most importantly, just kind of recapping, we didn't see much daylight activity all year. A mm-hmm. lot, I think a lot of factors played into it. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but most importantly, just Bad weather, bad moon. Big, big one. And a couple good bucks were taken off of it Yeah, early on. Yeah, yep. Doug killed uh, 174 uh, like the first week of the season. Aaron ended up killing one of the deer that that I was chasing uh, through the rut. He killed him in the gun season the first opening weekend, and he went 140, 141, 140 something. No, 140 as a as a just a point. I mean, it was sure. a good, it was a really nice deer and uh, immature. Shoot, I I bet he was. I bet that deer was a six and a half year old. I mean, he was in the mass he had carried all the way out to the tips of the main beam. So great deer. Uh, and then, you know, as we were trying to figure out who to chase, really, we, we had a big, big deer on the property, but he was a ghost. I, we, I've said it before, we were never on him. We just sure. got random pictures of him and lived on the neighbor mostly. So I never really felt like we were in the game outside of a day or two during the rut where he showed up and we were hunting and, you know, like, okay. Okay, could this happen? Sure. But most importantly, we had about two or three bucks that we were chasing 
consistently. Aaron killed the one. The one Doug killed really just showed up out of nowhere in the early season. He killed him a couple days after he showed up. So he never really was on our hit list because Doug killed killed mm-hmm. him right as soon as he showed up. So we we were fortunate in that fact. And uh, so we had about two deer that we were after. And this deer that I killed, he only really showed up after the gun season and you know we were kind of detoxing and figuring out okay okay aaron had killed the the one of two shooters that were kind of visible yeah and it's like all right we basically got the short g210 and then this deer showed up we called him broke brow because we didn't have any history with him through the summer and he showed up and he was missing his g1 and <clears throat> he had a real nice frame to him it was a pretty framey mm-hmm. deer and uh just body wise and we had enough pictures of him with the other deer that we had seen and we felt like he was at least a five and a half year old uh so quickly the plan became all right we got two shooters to chase the short g210 and this broke brow mm-hmm. so by the way congratulations on naming him broke brow mm-hmm. there's no g2 mm-hmm. in the and title actually he has short g2s <laughs> don't don't do it and he's a 10 pointer <laughs> but the name was taken already <laughs> So we had to come up with something else. Oh, good. Else. You're growing. You're yeah. growing as a deer hunter. Mm-hmm. And apparently Doug was telling me that the neighbors had this deer. They He summered about two and a half miles away on, on the neighbor. That's and a good stretch. Yeah. So he showed up there after the gun season and uh, he stuck around. And so, <clears throat> you know, our whole strategy... Our, our food plots really sucked f- because we had no rain. Mm-hmm. We replanted, replanted. Yeah. We just didn't have, I mean, early season strategy through the rut really kind of blew for us because once the beans defoliated, which we had 110 acres of beans on that farm, the green plots really didn't take for us. We mm-hmm. just had no rain. So <clears throat> it really made a very tough, you couple all that with the other factors and they were nocturnal anyways. We just didn't have much luck seeing deer. Yeah. So we were really looking forward to the late season because we had paid the farmer to leave <clears throat> a couple acres of beans in two different okay. spots. One spot we call the hot corner because it is tucked away. It's the most kind of seclusive place on the property mm-hmm. in this big expansive field that's wide open so <clears throat> we put a lot of focus on that spot we finally got some late season temperatures and you know cold weather and the stars started to align for yeah. us yeah. so just here recently we had a stretch of three days of super cold weather i mean like you know teens type stuff right after some really, really warm weather. Like 60, 70 degrees all the way through Christmas and New Year's, really. So I felt pretty good about the cold front aspect of it. I felt pretty good about the fact that we had these standing beans. And <clears throat> it really did uh, it did pay off for us. So we had a great forecast and deer cast for Saturday and Sunday. And that's when it was like the extremely cold, mm-hmm. like big temperature drop, below average. Like everything was kind of lining up for us. And we saw... 20 25 deer the first night saturday afternoon when we went in there and had uh one of a, a deer i think he's four and a half he was a mainframe eight he's got a, a split g2 and he's okay. he's a nice buck and he had pretty good mass and he came out he was in 30 yard within 30 yards right in front of us in front of the blind bunch of other deer a bunch of other bucks it was a great sit yeah so it was like oh there are deer here could it happen was, it could happen went back in Sunday. I felt like it was going to be the better day because forecast was showing like the cloud cover was going to dissipate mm-hmm. and 
bluebird afternoon, high pressure. I thought it's going to be a great night. Well, the cloud cover stuck around yeah. and it just, it, <clears throat> they moved super late, but right there within the last 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, we ended up seeing probably 25 to 30 deer. Mm. And as far as bucks, there was a decent eight short G ones, just, just okay. Spin lane needs yeah. a couple more years, but <clears throat> nothing, nothing big popped out well that cloud cover at that point in the season kind of screws you in a couple ways like it, it does. makes a move less but also like it cuts your camera light down so you may be able to like legal hunting light may go till 520 or so really the reality is camera light ends before five it's funny you say that because that night specifically we were done 10 minutes before the the like i'm like all right he's like oh, i'm out of light and it's like shit we still got 10 minutes left and, you know you're hoping that something's gonna show up mm -hmm. but nothing did it was no harm no foul yeah so the next day okay it's monday this is yesterday it's january 3rd and uh you know the deer cast is saying okay for most of the day and then it's like a slight sliver of good mm -hmm. in there and the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway as I was looking at the hourly and kind of diving into the details, the pressure was super high. Mm -hmm. There was no cloud cover. The It was the first south wind after several consecutive days of like extremely cold north winds. Yeah. And so Mark and Terry talk about it all the time. That first south can be deadly. And it was bluebird. I mean, it was a beautiful day yesterday, but it was still pretty cold it was yeah. so <clears throat> we went back out there and i just had a hunch i don't know i felt like they might move earlier because of the fact that there was no cloud cover mm -hmm. i thought maybe they're gonna start getting up and feeding in these beans a little sooner because really the other thing was saturday night it was nasty it was rain wind mm -hmm. you know sleet it was just kind of a perfect combination i i was kind of shocked they moved. Front. yeah, yeah. that but that night, like no pictures on our cameras, hardly. So they, they moved right before, but then they kind of just hunkered down. down. Yep. So I thought, well, they're going to have to, at some point, they got to move. So we went back in, we got in early and we sat and waited and really pretty early, especially for this farm, four o'clock, we started seeing movement and you know, I forget how many, probably six, seven deer stepped out onto mm -hmm. the beans and outstepped the short G210, one of the two shooters were after. And <clears throat> I was like, holy cow, it's four o'clock. Like Scott's getting beautiful footage. Scott! And it's just perfect. I'm like, this is actually going to happen. I even put something on my Instagram story. It's uh -huh. like one of our shooters is out. No sooner as I took that footage and put that on my story, he just turned around and went back <laughs> into you the know. woods and just walked away. Six cents. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> So close. Yeah. So the closest he came was 66 yards, I think, 66, okay. 67. And you had your I had bow with you. both a crossbow and a vertical bow. Okay. We both had tags, Scott and myself. And so we both, we had the two weapons with us. And I'm, we talked about on the podcast before, if it was, if there's a deer that I felt like was in range, but out of my effective vertical bow range i was gonna pick up the crossbow yeah and i just don't have any qualms about it like that's what i'm gonna do and long season and we're supposed to be able to do this for a living so yeah yeah tell me a deer, a deer. A hunt here. so anyhow that buck walked off he starts kind of sparring a little bit with a with that that eight pointer that came out the night before with the short g1 so it's like okay well there's some other bucks and then he does just that, kept walking does that make you nervous this time of year when you see him doing that like, are they going to drop one of those antlers in the process? Well, I, I didn't think as much about that as, like, there, a lot of deer are starting to show up with broken 
mm. times. If sure. they made it through the rut, now they're it's weird. Like now again, they're showing up and they're like we get a lot of cam uh, pictures on our cameras of them sparring a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, which I you know I don't know enough about deer to know if that's pretty typical this late in the year, but it's been surprising. I feel like for me to see that much activity, I, I've been seeing quite a bit of nighttime sparring activity on some of my cameras, and I, I saw three deer uh, a few days ago when I was out hunting. They're moving at last light, and one like just kind of it didn't gore the other one in the side, but it pushed him enough to where it, like it got him running. So yeah. there's definitely still like some engagement. And Scott was noticing that the last couple of nights, like a bunch of the, a bunch of spikes and forks have come out onto this bean field in the last three nights. Mm -hmm. And several of them are limping like crazy, just hmm. all busted up. Still and, fighting. Yeah. And we, we actually witnessed some of the older bucks kind of pushing them off and, mm -hmm. you know, and you just wonder how much that, yeah, they're beating on them. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess the pet. I guess they're probably always that pecking reinforcing order. the pecking order. Yeah. So, anyways, that so the short G two ten walked off. I thought, well, it's early enough. Who knows? He might come back up out of out mm -hmm. of there. And I got a glimpse, like you know, because we're scanning the timber, and it's it's definitely more open than at any part of the year. But yeah. it's amazing to me how these deer camouflage themselves, Just blend in and <laughs> it's melt like, away. I don't know. It's like, oh, there's <laughs> one, there's one, and I I caught I caught a I threw up the lure folds. I caught a glimpse because we were still tracking that eight pointer walking through the timber, uh -huh. and. And uh, I thought I caught a glimpse of Broke Brow. And I, I even said that to Scott. I, I think I just saw Broke Brow, but it was so quick. And he was kind of walking away. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I don't know, though. You know, I'm not sure. And so anyways, the night progresses and uh, more deer start filing out. And I mean, there had to be 15 bucks on the field. And I'm talking like yearlings and forks and spikes and a bunch of eight points, like three okay. or four different eight pointers and all types of age levels. And the best probably being a, that four and a half year old short, uh, G one eight point. And, um, I don't know where a couple does squirt out of the timber. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, something behind him. We throw up, you know, binoculars mm -hmm. and that's, it's him. And that was five o'clock. So we still, how far out is that? That's probably close to 90. Okay. It's, so it, it, in the ball game. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, he's right in front of us. Of course we had all the windows shut. The, the, our wind was blowing. It wasn't the most ideal. Mm -hmm. It was, it was out of the South, which isn't, horrible but it changed from southwest which is perfect to a little bit of south southeast okay. which blows basically kind of to the edge of where some of them are coming out yeah. i'm not so sure that some of the does early on kind of were getting a weird whiff yeah and they just kind of walked back into the timber and that's what originally the, the first shooter kind of followed them i, sure. I kind of felt like that's what what happened but uh, you'll never know so anyways we kept all the windows shut tight and um so he's coming a little bit at a time, a little bit forward, a little bit forward, but he's basically, you know, he's 70s, 80s. And what time is this? It's five. So okay. sunset was 4.55, I think, last night. So yeah. we had 4.25. We had, to, and as you pointed out, it gets darker earlier for the cameras, but it was a bluebird night. So I felt like, Hey, we, we have, and we might actually make it close to mm -hmm. legal, the end of legal shooting. So anyways, he, he actually start, he, all the deer for whatever reason, start feeding past us. And we're the way we have our keen trailer and the muddy blind is we're set up 
on the edge of the beans. Mm -hmm. And we kind of felt like it, it's closer to the left side of the timber than it is to all the stuff in front of us on the right, because we felt like we'd maybe catch one squeezing through and be able to be in vertical bow mm -hmm. range of, of one. Sure. And, um, so anyways, all the deer just start filing past us, which was great in the fact that he kind of, I feel like he was kind of like following the herd a little bit, mm -hmm. but it was bad in the fact that they were all right under us, which then when you go to open a window, which if, if you, if you haven't hunted out of a blind, the blinds are fantastic for a bunch of reasons, mm -hmm. a bunch of reasons. But the hardest part about trying to kill something is opening the window right when the you're ready to shoot mm -hmm. and there's a fine line of doing it too early or doing it too late because you're trying to contain your scent as much as you can by keeping the windows up trying to do that but also the that movement you got to think like all of a sudden there's a big pane of glass there that there's a reflection on from mm -hmm. their angle yeah and then all of a sudden there's a black hole there where there once was reflection. So you got to get it to where you're hoping that you catch them when their heads are down. So nobody sees the reflection movement, mm -hmm. you know, out of the corner of their eye or whatever. And then you, you got to be super still because you better be ready to shoot because they can see very clearly there's two people mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> moving around in there. There's a, doing in there. There's a camera lens. There's a, you know, a guy hopping around trying to, <laughs> Cause you got to open the window. So you got to get up to open the window, mm. you know? So there's just a lot of little factors. That's the hardest part. If you can get yeah. past that part, you, you've gone 99% of the way. You just got to make the shot. Mm -hmm. So anyways, he, he's coming towards us. Finally, he committed and he was kind of walking fast enough where I felt like, okay, it's going to happen. I didn't feel like he was going to come close enough for me to get a shot with my vertical bow. Okay. I felt like, based on how I was shooting. Cause I kind of go day by day on that. If I'm shooting decent at 40, mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel horrible. It's like, that's the edge of my, where I feel comfortable 40. Sure. And, uh, if I'm shooting decent that day, I always shoot before I go out, then I'll take that shot. But if I'm not shooting great that day, like the edge of my great, of, of my ability is 30 mm -hmm. in my, you know, and I feel I can make a 30 yard shot even yeah. on my worst day. I'm going to make that shot. But 40, mm, 50, no way. So he's the last I ranged him, he was at 50. And that to me, it's like, okay, there's no question. He's the deer. When I opened the window uh, there, I think there was a spike below me on the left side that kind of mm. like not totally blew out of there, but like heard a little bit of enough of a noise that yeah. was like spooked him a little. Yeah. And then he got on alert and he's looking at us. And there was a point where I go to open the window. First of all, we had to change spots in the blind with all these deer around us because that way angle he was at, I needed to be where Scott was at to shoot. So we got up and switched spots all while he's coming closer. And you're probably trying to keep the trailer from yeah. shifting and stuff too. That is one slight downside of being on a trailer. That, that keen trailer is like you shift your weight. If you're, cause you got ties or whatever, like, you know, that are, that, that are holding mm -hmm. it from blown over, but it, it still, it does still shift somewhat. Yeah. And it, sometimes it doesn't take much to totally shift the whole thing. And it, it's making noise below you, you know, it's all metal. Sure. So we did all that and didn't spook anything. It's amazing. And then, and the deer are all around us. And then I go to open the window, 
you know, shortly after that. And I think at some point Scott's like, you know, he's staring right at us and I'm stuck in that spot where like uh, your legs, you're kind of like crouched, but you're not, so you're not sitting and you're not standing. Yep, like the worst possible <laughs> position. And I haven't worked out in a couple of months. So. <laughs> Feeling the burn. So I'm just sitting there with the window kind of halfway <clears throat> or most of the way open. And then, and then he must've put his head down. Scott gave me the, the AOK, put the window all the way up uh-huh. and then I got to get down get the crossbow up he's starting to go to the right and i range him he's at 50 i go to put the crossbow on him and you know we communicate you ready yep go i go to shoot and i've never shot a crossbow i've shot practiced with it but i've never killed anything with it scott and i were talking about that earlier i was like is this matt's first crossbow buck yeah and so i go to pull the trigger and the safety was still on (laughs) crossbow 101 (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking. So, <clears throat> so obviously I figured it out real quick when I go to squeeze the trigger and like <laughs> the whole thing is just locked. So I instantly knew I was like, ah, oh, the safety. And I, I luckily I just remembered where it was at. I mean, yeah. it's right there by your thumb. And on that mission, whole, it's ambidextrous. Yes. You had to get to it either side. Yeah. So I just. I didn't have to move the cross. My point in saying that is I didn't have to move the crossbow too much to see it. Yeah. And I flipped it and then got back on him, but he's at super high alert. He's staring straight at us. He was broadside for me. I'm on the left of Scott, but he curled in just a little bit throughout that uh-huh. process. And, um, I pulled the trigger. You know, I don't know if he was 50 exactly. I don't think he was because the last I ranged him, he had taken a few steps, mm-hmm. but pulled the trigger and crossed the bolt flew, you know, true and hit basically where I was aiming. It was a little bit high, a little bit back, but not bad. Okay. And, uh, he took off running. And then what was weird was his tail was up. He meal kicked, but his tail was up. And then when he got mm. into the timber, it was kind of slow going. Okay. He ran off, but he wasn't acting like he should have. I felt like for like a double lung hit. Did, like when you were watching, did you watch the hit through the scope and did you see like what you hit or was it kind of a blur? kind of a blur. Usually I, I'm, I remember early on when I first started hunting, I thought, I don't know how anybody ever knows where their shot goes. Cause I could never remember that part of it. Yeah. It was just kind of like blacked out. Go comatose. But through the years I've killed enough deer where I finally have started. I feel like I, I always can sense the shot really mm-hmm. well. Had no idea last night where I hit him. <laughs> None. And we had that FTS from Tacticam on the scope. Yeah. So there's an added element of kind of in your wayness, mm. and I just wasn't I just wasn't sure and uh the nocturnal the light on the knock it did go off but it wasn't like super bright for okay. whatever reason and so I wasn't even sure it went off at all until we rewatched the footage but as soon as Scott rolled back the footage we felt like oh okay it's a great yeah. hit yeah should be should be a dead deer and I looked at deer cast track and found a hit similar and it was saying four to six hours which I was a little surprised but it was a little hmm. dependent how far back you were okay you know and I was doing quartering two even though it was kind of more broadside the video mm-hmm. I picked was it had all four of the instances but the one I focused in on was quartering two because I felt like he he curled in enough yeah your dad always says uses the word wrinkle yeah I wrinkled in and that and, and he did you look at the screenshot of of the still of arrow impact he was wrinkled in so I thought well oh hold on here 
We always err on the side of caution. We wanted to err on the side of caution here and give him a little bit of course. Well, we <laughs> always err on the side of caution. Thank, thank you, Terry. The, runs of the family. We erred on the side of caution. And uh, so we did get down. We looked for blood. We found the bolt. And the bolt was covered in blood. And that was a good sign. But Your uh, blood? Yes. Okay. No, I cut myself before I <laughs> shot the deer. <laughs> It was crazy. He's a really hard to blood trail. Yeah. Hemophilia. Uh, but there wasn't great blood in the field. And he did take off. But then I thought to myself, like, I've killed deer before that took off like a bolt of lightning that bled like a stuck pig. Mm -hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I didn't really feel like that was a good excuse because they all do that when they get hit. Right, right. So it definitely, I was like, eh, we got to the edge of the timber. And so we knew exactly where he went in. We, we okay. marked it. And I was like, let's go back the tr the tracker. So we don't plug our tracker EV, the electric unit mm -hmm. and out there, we don't have electric to plug it in. So we leave it out there and then we, we take the keys, you know, but we leave it out there and then we come charge it, you know, every couple of weeks we need to charge it whenever it's, on e well with this cold weather it's been draining it a oh, little yeah, bit yeah. quicker and so it had went to e the other day and and the landowner doug he was nice enough and he helps us with this a lot because he lives right there he charged it for us but it was only like a few hours of a charge mm -hmm. and, and then he brought it back that night for us to hunt with it okay. and so it went from full to quarter of a tank like like very very quickly and uh, so then as we we're driving in that afternoon sit, it got down to E like very quickly. And I was like, shit, this thing ain't going to make it back out of here. So I thought, okay, we need to give him time. We actually had that, the tracker 800 there anyways. Oh, okay. So I was like, let's go back to camp. So we go get the tracker. We go back to camp. We talked to Doug. We talked to Aaron who they're both on, you know, Doug owns it and yeah. Aaron's on the lease and they weren't far away. So we were going to go in and track the deer together anyways. And, uh, we had to get permission from the landowner, the neighboring landowner, because he ran onto the neighbor's property where they're all filtering out was the neighbor's timber. So Doug called the landowner, got permission and um, that's a whole different story that I probably shouldn't get into. Okay. But uh, we got permission. So anyways, we waited a couple hours. All told, by the time I shot him and by the time we went back in after him, it was three hours we gave him. Mm -hmm. And so we go in to start tracking. And it was not great blood mm. for pretty much most of the blood trail. I was really shocked and I was shooting the tripan. Mm -hmm. I've never shot that head before, but I, I've marked you. I mean, I've heard nothing but fantastic yeah. things about it. It's the crossbow version. No, it was just a rage tripan. Yeah. I assume that's okay. <laughs> Dad yeah. uses a three, two chisel, uh, two, three chisel, sorry, out of, um, he uses a cross bolt collar on a two, three chisel. That's the trick. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, the reason why I use the tripan is because of that collar. It's so sturdy on that tripan. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't hardly, you know, mess that up. Whereas I felt like a, say if I used a two, three with the regular, the regular collar, yeah. I'd be a little worried about the speed and the flight opening it up on the way in. Mm -hmm. So none of that happened. The arrow fl flew great. The, the, the broadhead opened up upon impact. And uh, I, I just don't know why he wasn't bleeding. And dad said, cause I, I was texting him. He's like, sometimes on those high, 
long hit, he goes, you'll see that where they don't open up until 150 yards or, or further. Mm, sure. Uh, and that's where it's nice, obviously, to have somebody that's got experience with hundreds of probably a thousand, you know, deer hits that he's tr- tracked over the years. Yeah. So anyways, we didn't get discouraged by it. We just slowly kind of kept tracking and he, t- we traveled 250, 300 yards before we found mm-hmm. him. And there were areas where he opened up better mm-hmm. but then there were areas where he'd close back up it was really odd i've never and, and it was full pass through so there were spots where it was out of each side of him okay. but it was a weird it was a weird track i felt like it was good to go on a track job like that because it it wasn't like so hard we you know that we, we were losing hope but yeah it, we had it, to work for it we had to work a little bit for it i i also wondered like i i saw the shot on Scott's computer a little bit ago and the crossbow is so it's flat shooting. It is that like, I assume the entry and the exit were pretty much on the same plane. Very similar. And so like, I think, you know, if you're hunting out of a stand, you're a little bit closer that, you know, the arc just of of a vertical bow arrow, you have one that's higher, one that's lower and you, you know, tends to drain out of that lower wound a little more. I think you're correct in that. And it, it, you know, it's, I was shocked how quickly it gets there and how flat it shoots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but when we gutted him, it was he was double lunged, and the, the exit hole was actually it was quite a bit further back than entry, so he was mm. curled enough okay. that that was surprising. But I did still get both lungs clipped that that back one. Okay. Um, so, anyways, we found him and and uh, got the tracker, and he of course was in a horrible spot. <laughs> and so that, that was actually interesting to see as well, because I mean, we put that, that 800 to the test during the summer when we used that RTP oh, yeah, yeah. drill, mm-hmm. uh, or the groundbreaker. But, I mean, that was a heavy piece of equipment. So I got to kind of see what it would do, but I, I really haven't had a chance to use it in four wheel drive or anything like that. And shit, we loaded up that deer. We loaded up all four of us and we had to go up a steep, steep incline mm-hmm. and, I kicked it in a four wheel, put it in low and, and never, Sweet. I mean, it wasn't even at all a question of, mm-hmm. it just went straight up out of it. Nice. So that was, that was nice to see. And, uh, in general, it was, it all, all's well that ended well. And it was a great buck, had great mass. His, his, um, main beams, I think they were, one was 22 inches another one was 22 and some change. So he had decent main beams. Yeah. He was just short tined kind of killed him and he was missing a brow tine, mm-hmm. which that was only three, I think three inches okay. on the one that was there. So it wasn't like it was a huge loss, but then he went 141 and some change. Heck yeah. So. And end your season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, it was a big relief. <laughs> got home at about 130, got up about 630 with the kids, took them to school and. Then off to work. Feel like I got hit by a bus. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it never ceases to amaze me how much work it is to kill a deer. Not just, just the lead up, but once you do, then just recovery and the process, like everything after the fact. We had talked about it off camera. I said, and I don't, I don't have a place to process my deer, you know, so like the Mm -hmm. amount of work that you put into it after that point is days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, and you kind of hope for cold weather that you can Mm -hmm. at least gut it, skin it and let it hang for a little bit so you can go in and sleep and maybe debone it in the morning or early season though bet it's rough yeah you got to work on it asap yeah so i'm looking forward on the new farm to you know getting to do those things because we'll have a place to do all that but in the meantime i take it to a processor or take it to a cooler you know i doug knew a guy that had a cooler so we took it there and then he's uh he's he's taking that 
deer from there. So anyways, congratulations. It's, yeah. It's been a long season. I feel bad for anybody that had to follow along. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes it more dramatic to end the season. It, like this. It felt good at the shot. It did feel good to, you know, I felt like, all right, it felt like a good hit. You know, mm-hmm. we looked at, once we looked at the footage and it's like, all right, it's kind of a sigh of relief, but I instantly, I then thought I'm going to get shit about using a crossbow, a crossbow factor. So that I didn't want to talk about that because it's like, man, why is that, that even a thought for me that that has to be, but I see enough shit that people get for using crossbows. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be inevitable that I'm going to take heat for using this crossbow, but I really don't feel bad about it. Like mm-hmm. I would not have killed him at 50. I just wouldn't have shot that far. Right. I'm not, this is not that good. I'm not good enough to shoot that far. I mean, it makes me it makes me think twice about maybe bringing the crossbow with me, not because I want to like quote unquote cheat, but I feel like like with my with my one rifle kill, I feel like if I'm in this if I'm in this world, I should have like a broad a, a broad array of experiences killing different ways of killing yeah. deer. Uh, vertical bow, crossbow, firearms. I'd like to kill a deer with a muzzle, a buck with a muzzle loader, yeah. just so I can say like I did it. You know, it probably won't be something I continue to do for yeah. long, but just to say that I did it. Yeah, yeah, that was my first crossbow kill, buck doe, anything, and I I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was fun to use. It was proficient. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the most important part. Um, so I don't know. I, I had, I did have mixed feelings about it. So I felt like that was interesting. Like, oh, I didn't know, but my mixed feelings were not about internal feelings. It was about other people. The perception. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that was like, well, that sucks. Like this did, it was a long season. Scott and I talked about it. We never did have a shooter in bow range, what I call bow range, 30 yards. That's true. Yeah. You, I never once all yeah. season. So I, you know, I, I don't know. It was just a grind. It was one of those years. Mm-hmm. I would have loved for nothing more than to use that V3X and kill something with that. Sure. It wasn't for lack of trying. We're still using it. I was still shooting with it every day mm-hmm. we went out, but just didn't have the opportunity. So, so do you think this experience will influence how you view the crossbow and maybe utilize it next season? I don't think so. I think, the other part about this late season in that setup, like it would have had, he would have had to have walked through this gap or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it could happen. I could have waited till January 15th and hunted the rest of these cold fronts and maybe it could have happened. Yeah. But I, I just felt like I'm not going to look this gift horse in the mouth and just say, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll wait till next time. We saw too few shooters this yeah. year to let him go. So my point in saying that is next year going into it, I'd say it depends on the season. Like my, I'm not going to hunt in the early season with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hunt in the rut with it. But if I get to the late season and, and I've already mm-hmm. filled my gun tag, I'm going to use it. It's kind of a last resort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't feel that bad about it, yeah. honestly. So I don't know. Give me shit or don't give me, I don't care really. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean you're not going to change the way people perceive the kill. Yeah. But it is interesting how you, like the external factors that color the experience that you had. And I think this is why people feel guilty if they shoot something that's not perceived as a mm, legitimate trophy buck. Oh yeah. 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 Y- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and they go on, you know, 
social media and everybody's like, sure, give him another year. I think that's why people are like, well, he wasn't my biggest year, but I think that's the mentality. It. Yeah. It's other people <laughs> giving we you crap. We are the best anti-hunters. So uh, I was happy. Um, I don't know that the neighbor was happy, but I was happy. And mm -hmm. I felt like he was at least five and a half. And if you watch the footage, I mean, you go and go in a deer cast and watch the uh, deer cast now. I mean, I believe he was uh, at least five and a half. Mark says he felt like he was maybe older just because of how muscular and how big the body was this late in the year when they're yeah. totally run down. So uh, with never not having any history on this farm, I really don't know unless I sent the teeth off, but um, he was mature. He's dead. He had <laughs> great mass. His, his down at the bases, he was, he was pretty cool. So. And overall, just a really good first year on that lease for you guys. Like three really nice bucks. Yeah. Taken. Yeah. Uh, you know, sure. first time figuring out, I know you guys turkey hunted it, but like it's your first time kind of figuring out how everything lays out and yeah. the deer are still probably responding to how they were hunted before. And yeah. you guys are dealing with that baggage. Yeah. Once a gross 174, a gross 140, a gross 141. So pretty solid year. Yeah. Heck yeah. And all mature bucks, most importantly. So mm -hmm. Um, sure. look nowhere to go but up so we're excited and i think you know doug and, and aaron and i and scott and we're all looking forward to putting some you know changes in place going into next year and figuring out how we can take what we learned or where they're moving at yeah. and try to make it better i said we got to get some rain on food pots oh, that's such a killer <laughs> it's it like gosh yeah it does get me thinking about turkeys already though mm -hmm. i'm already starting to Started transition away from deer. Like I still got a tag to, to try to fill here. And are you gonna go much? I mean, it's cold weather. Yeah, yeah. I just haven't decided. Like I, I legit may take the crossbow with me. Like I, I got this one ten pointer that I just saw out of the blue, and like he's a really nice deer. It was. He's he's probably four and a half. So like you were asking me like. You gonna let, maybe let him go? I was like, well, if I don't shoot him, I'll let him go because I just don't know. In the yeah. big timber, I don't know if I'll even see, see him. him again, let alone get close enough to kill him. Yeah. But I think I'm gonna make a move. I think I know where he's betting. So this time of year, that late movement is just so key. I think I'm gonna make a move and maybe try to put the get up in a saddle closer to this brushy area and just give it a shot. I mean, kind of running out of options at this point. Yeah. But even if my season ends tomorrow, I, you know, I'm happy. Like it was, great it was a good season. It was a so great year. I, I, I don't want to get greedy and, you know, just keep pushing until I'm uh, sick of deer hunting. Yeah. So. I'm sick of it. I, I'll be honest. Like it's, it's all. And we talked about it. Like we've had tough years before, but not where we weren't seeing deer. It was tough because we screwed up. It was tough because I, mm, you know, I sure. messed up here. We, you know, it was a chess match or whatever. When you, know? you don't have a chance to screw up. That's yeah. really brutal. <laughs> Jake here in the studio, one, one of the uh, producers and editors, he was logging the most of our footage in the Monday meeting yesterday. It was footage. like, yeah, man, that was pretty, not pretty uneventful. <laughs> One of the editors are telling you that cloud passes by. Yeah. Yeah. Leaves it's, Russell. There was just nothing that happened all year. So tough. I'm glad it's over. My wife is really glad it's over. Mm -hmm. She texted me yep. today. She's like, so you're not going anymore. Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, right? I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I can't. 
I know Scott's sick of it. I'm sick of it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you transitioning to Turkey. I'm transitioning to the new farm, and we're working on work. it. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the house we're fixing it up, and you know, and then the farming side and figuring out the deer and food plots, and you so. can only make that house a little less disgusting. Than <laughs> so Tim's referring to my Instagram page. I did a set of stories. I took the kids there. The other day during Christmas break, the winter break or whatever, we took them to the farm uh, one day because I wanted them to see it. And Lola's been so excited. And Cameron's excited, but Lola's been saying, our farm. Like she's like, uh. she's five. And I, I, it's the cutest thing. Like it's yeah. melts my heart. Like I get a kick out of it. And so I'm like, all right, let's go to the farm. And, you know, they're excited and we got their boots and, you know, we brought cam's new bb gun that he got for christmas and i brought my old red riders i thought this could be a fun day it was warm and we get up there and we get inside the house and we had started ripping a few things out so it's kind of a mess Mm -hmm. but i mean it's still not horrible and lola was not happy about the house situation (laughs) and so i did a story and it was we had just walked out of the house and uh I was like, you guys excited? And they're like, yeah. And out of nowhere, Lola's like, it's disgusting in there. <laughs> I died. Because I just could imagine you'd be like, hey, look, it's our new farm. She's yeah. like, it, it, it's disgusting in there. And she ran off yeah. to the rock pile. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need your rock pile. No pleasing them. No. And uh, she she wouldn't even go to the bathroom. Oh, geez. She's like, it, I mean, it is gross looking. but uh, yeah. So I'm like, all right. We got some work to do with these kids. <laughs> the upside is she's honest. Oh, like, she's honest. She's not going to pull any punches. There's no filter. <laughs> she is her mother's daughter. <laughs> oh, good times. Yeah. So uh, anyways, it's exciting. We're starting to have fun and hopefully by turkey season, the house is mm-hmm. totally renovated and... Uh, Undisgusting. Undisgusting. Yeah. Somewhere she would be able to rest her head and I go can't to the even bathroom. Look at this place. It's a dump. It's disgusting in there. Yeah. I could see I could see Sophie saying something very similar. But y'all don't say that. They, they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. So how about we help our buddy Wade out? All righty. So the question of the day is probably brought to you by Leopold Optics, American to the core. Hi, Matt and Tim. This is Wade Muse from Mississippi. Um, I was just wondering what y'all's favorite multi-tool for deer, turkey, duck, um, fishing, anything would be. Mine would be the thermosel. I think that's the finest thing since sliced bread. What would y'all be? Thanks. I love Wade's voice. I'm trying so hard not to He's that impersonation. He's... Where did he say he was from? Obviously, Mississippi. Mississippi there you go. I yeah. love I love the guys from Mississippi. Bobby, he reminds me of Bobby Culbertson, one of our best buddies down there at Terrawild. I think so. The two of the most attractive things on a woman for me like, are a southern accent. Does Beth know or this? Or a <laughs> from Missouri? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell her at some point. Okay. Uh, or an Australian accent. Hi. Hey. Oi. Oi. I think that's like a punk rocker from the 80s. I wouldn't know. Uh, so what's your favorite gadget? Now you've told us about your... I am a... Uh, I'm a freak about backpacks. I love packs like that are well-designed, have good pockets. And um, and I haven't used it a whole lot this season for deer hunting. I used it in previous seasons when my camera was a little smaller. But the sling pack from, uh, from Tenzing, it's like... 
you can run with it if you need to. Like it's it's so like streamlined. Do a lot of running you in the woods through while you're hunting. Well, sometimes <laughs> you're chasing down a, a Canada goose that you've arrowed. Oh, sometimes I see. Yes, uh, but it, but it just doesn't catch on things. It's just it's so slick and it like all the pockets are well thought out. It's got pockets for everything. But I love a good. I love to be organized and have everything easily accessible. I I that's uh, you gave me a heads up on this question. And I honestly. I couldn't think of anything more than a trail camera for me, but it's not probably multi-use for, you know, waterfowl and, mm-hmm. and all the things that he said, but we're so honed in on deer and turkey and I, I don't use it for turkey hunting, but although I will say this year, I might leave a cell camera up or two because this, the lease has so many turkeys on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. like a huge flock. So I might actually use it this year, but the trail camera has been so helpful for me mm. And, and my time spent a field and maximizing it. Yeah. Even though this year wasn't quite the same, but. Imagine the time you would have wasted had you not had a trail good camera. Good point. So to me, I'd say my trail camera is the gadget mm-hmm. that I most use. Sure. And yeah. I'm not saying DeerCast because it's not fair for, for me to <laughs> plug that, but that would be the other one because yeah. I spent so much time looking at the forecast. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And, and I, I also, a good knife with a gut hook on it. I like, I just, a hunting knife to me in my mind has to have a gut hook on it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. How do you, okay. I got a question for you. How do you effectively resharpen the gut hook? I will send you a link to an article in DeerCast. Cause geez, that's hard. Yes. You can use like a round file. I've tried that and I just, maybe I'm not filing it correctly because yeah. I feel like I don't have very sharp. After the first couple times using it, you'd have to match the rasp with the like with the curvature of the gut hook. So you're saying I could have made it worse? <laughs> could have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is hard, especially like when they get full of hair and stuff. Like yeah. you can really dull it pretty pretty quickly. Well, and that's usually what you're doing with it, zipping it up right up to the chest cavity. So mm-hmm. yep, yep, Even yeah, the bone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, gut hook is a must have. There you go, mm-hmm. Wade. Okay. Maybe that was uh, Wade Robinson, Mark's farmhand. He couldn't speak that cool. <laughs> <laughs> he could try, but he wouldn't pull it that off. That southern accent. He's, he's, it's legit. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, like Cuz Strickland. Okay, the wildlife word. Woo-wee. It's brought to you by Tracker Off-Road. The power and rugged durability to get Matt's deer out of a I didn't, holler. I didn't even know that was the wildlife word partner today. Check it out. Check that out. Do you call them hollers? I did actually. I called it a holler yesterday. There you go. And it was a deep holler. Mm. Randy Travis type holler. Wow. <laughs> That's super deep. It was deep. <laughs> uh, okay. So it's about deer's hearing. A deer's hearing is just a bit keener than a human's in this particular way. Is it A, that they can hear low frequencies better? B, they can hear high frequencies better? C, they can hear clouds passing overhead? <laughs> Or D, they can read lips. Felt like that deer last night was reading lips. <laughs> oh, shit, safety. <laughs> that dude don't know how to work. I was thinking that, that rage, rage commercial when <laughs> the deer looks at the camera and the rage is flying at him and he's like, ah! <laughs> Yes. Uh, would it be low frequencies better? It is high frequencies it. better. So I think back to when I was a kid. The first deer I ever drew back on 
was with my dad's golden eagle bow that was too yeah. big for me had yeah. the overdraw and it was like a 32 inch drawling <laughs> and it had just a little aluminum plunger for an arrow rest and i was shooting at the time everyone shot aluminum arrows yeah and i just struggling to come back and the thing's like <laughs> <laughs> and that doe just took off she wasn't having it i see if i could hear it she could definitely hear it but yeah it's, research is really showing that deer hearing is kind of similar to ours but they can hear higher into the high frequency range than we can Nice. So I'd like to say that I feel like you stepped up your wildlife word today. Well, I appreciate I, I the fact the, that you took the feedback. Uh, thank you. From last week's episode. So I'll make a note of that. I had 15 Pat minutes to back. come up with this one here. <laughs> Pat on back. And I didn't rip it off of deer and deer hunting this time. And it really wasn't a wildlife word. Most of them aren't. I wonder if we should rephrase this. A wildlife phrase of the day. <laughs> Wildlife fact of the day. There we go. That's a fact, yeah. Wild, wildlife fact. Fake news. WF. Oh. We'll have to workshop that one. WFOD. <laughs> Take that. That's your favorite outdoor podcast. F -O -D. Wildlife fact of the day. NYF. Not your favorite. We've got hashtags out there. NYOFOP. Yeah. yeah. You know what we should have done? So we will continue to mention this. You and I just need to execute on it. An idea that I had that we both agree we should do. I don't remember live, any ever agreeing live with you. Live Facebook oh. podcast sessions for our Rack Pack members. I think at least a couple of them would be way into this. This would have been a great one to do it on. I just completely blanked. Well, one of these days we'll start executing our plan. <laughs> Sometime in 2022, let's do that. We're going to hit the 300th episode. But might be number 300 we do it. Which could be a great piece of feedback from the Rack Pack members. Like, what do you guys want to see? Like, in terms of a celebration, what should we do for our 300th episode? We've got a whole year to plan it. Let us know. Could be big. Could be huge. Nice That's job. It. Nice job. Knew where it was. <laughs> if you're not a member of the Rack Pack, just go to Facebook and search Jury Outdoors 100% Wild Rack Pack, and we will pop up. You can join us, answer the membership questions. Also, if you haven't left us a review yet for the podcast, you're stealing from us. You're giving us nothing in return. And I hope you feel terrible about yourselves. And only if it's a good review. Yeah, <laughs> so we don't want four stars. If you got a problem with us, just keep it to yourself. Yeah, just like we do with each other. I remember when I had my first beer. Not like, what I was meaning to hit. An O'Doyle's. I was wanting to hit. If you touch my drums, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. That's how I feel about anybody leaving us a bad review. A knife that has a gut hook on it. <laughs> Jeez, Tim. I mean. I noticed your eyes not twitching. Did you get some rest on our week off? I don't think I did. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, but I'm going to go with it. It's not twitching today anyways. Yeah. I mean, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> Tune in next time, kids. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a better episode for you next week. Yeah, Mark Drury. So stay tuned on that one. And who knows? Maybe it's going to be this week because we do need to launch a couple. Whoa. But probably not. Let's <laughs> yeah, not promise too much. Okay. Under promise, over deliver. Or just don't promise anything at all. Let's do that. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. All right. Until next time, peace out. Temperatures are going to be dropping. Perfect conditions for the skinny field. Got to focus on those afternoon hunts. Northwest Tree Stand, 5 p.m. It's the easiest decision you'll make this season. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast. Wee! Did you get a single fart noise in on that episode? Damn, dog. Yep.
There you go. It doesn't feel complete without it. 